On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about some of the claims that Jesus made. Yeah, some people claim, some people think that Jesus made outrageous claims concerning his identity, his relationship with God, his role in humanity. Uh, let's talk about some of those. Are, uh, what were some of those claims, and can they be proven at all? All right. It's going to be an important discussion as we talk about uh, having confidence in Christ. We'll get that discussion right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study we welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday may the 7th 2020 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. my father greg Gwynn is here hello dad great to be with you tonight kyle's jacob. behind the controls as usual kyle welcome to the program it's good to be here glad that you're here glad that you're listening on the other end of the line we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com or in the chat room tonight share your comments with other listeners i see brian out in california lose up in minnesota touching two borders there tonight uh, and Eric is here in the Columbia, Tennessee area. So sign in and share your comments with other listeners. Good to, ha- good to have all of you all out there participating with us. Uh, we know as we continue to deal with this uh, uh, coronavirus crisis, I think people are getting kind of a little bit of uh, cabin fever. Uh, and and we've had we've had uh, large audiences recently, a lot of participation, and I've, that's a good thing. If if this has given us an occasion to spend more time studying important spiritual truths that that's a positive outcome of of it all and so we look forward to more of that tonight all right uh well as we think about that and uh think about uh our faith and how it is important at this time as it is always uh we need to make sure that we have confidence and faith in our savior our redeemer uh and so that's the discussion tonight jesus made some pretty radical claims um and uh, we need to know, can we have confidence in that? Or can, and in just in general, how, can we have confidence in anything that Jesus said? Yeah, so that, that'll be our topic of discussion. We sent out some questions earlier today to our update list, and we remind you always, get on our update list. If you're not, send us, to quest, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, add me to your list. If you were on our list earlier today, you got these questions. Number one, respond to the argument that Jesus was either lunatic, liar, or Lord. Number two, list five of the claims of Jesus that you feel people would consider outrageous. Number three, what would you offer as reasons to believe the claims that Jesus made? That's assuming that you do believe them. I, I think we're talking to an audience of, of, of primarily people who would believe in the things that Jesus said. But there might be somebody out, here, out there who does not. Yep. Uh, so if you do not believe uh, give the reasons why you do not believe That's it. That's why we take it both ways. Number four, how is Jesus different than others throughout history that claimed to be the Messiah? He's not the only guy who ever made those kinds of claims. Yeah. How uh, How is he different? Now, and number five, if Jesus' claims are true, what's the appropriate response to them? All right. I look forward to that good discussion tonight. Again, what your comments, your comments make the program better, and so please share them. In the chat room or on the phone tonight or even over email, we want to hear from you. All right, so we start out with that first one, and I, and and that line of reasoning, Jesus is either, was either lunatic, liar, or Lord. That's That's been around for a long time. Uh, I don't think C.S. Lewis was the one who originated it, but he might have been the one who popularized that form of reasoning. I think probably most all our Lewis, uh, listeners know of C.S. Lewis. I'm going to say that right. Lewis. Uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, he was an Oxford scholar. Uh, he he was he actually came to be a, a, a strong apologist for Christ, meaning one who defended Jesus. But he had actually formerly been an atheist, so he was a converted atheist. Uh, 
he he wrote a well-known book called Mere Christianity. And here's a quote from it. I've got a quote here from C.S. Lewis in the book Mere Christianity. He said, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. They say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He was not left that open. He has not left that open to us. He did. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend, and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. All right, so he's he's saying it's an all or nothing proposition. So you yeah. can't just say, well, you know, I like some of the things Jesus said. Those he he said some good things. No, either he is God or he's crazy or he's evil. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's a, a very sound argument. But as C.S. Lewis said, people do say the foolish thing that, oh, I think Jesus was a good moral teacher. I just don't think he was the divine Son of God. Well, you can't have that. You can't have it that way. He he was not a good moral teacher. If he wasn't God's son, he was just a horrible deceiver and liar, or or a crazy, outrageous, you know, lunatic. And so I think C.S. Lewis has put it well. I don't think he's the one who necessarily originated that line of reasoning, but he certainly has popularized it. And I think it's a good way to look at it. So for all of us, so on a personal level, for all of us, we got to decide. Where, in 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 which category do you put him? Yeah, uh, and and that goes to some of these claims that we want to investigate uh, in our study tonight. Chris in the UK sent his email tonight. Good to hear from Chris. Been we a haven't while. heard from Chris in a good while. Yeah, Chris, thanks for your email. He says this is an argument set out by C.S. Lewis since he cannot, since he can't be mad because people marveled as to his wisdom, and he can't be bad because he pointedly challenged people to lay one wrong against. And, and they couldn't. Uh, he must be who he said he was, Lord. As Sherlock Holmes said once, you have once you have dis- disproved all the other possible explanations, what remains, no matter how impossible, must be the correct cl- conclusion. Yeah, sort of by process, process of, elimina- of elimination. And, yeah. and so I think Chris is right about that. You know, uh, we we use the phrase lunatic, liar, or Lord. I've also heard it put. Mad, bad, or God. Okay, that's uh, sort of what Chris is alluding uh, yeah, to there. Yeah, yeah. Mad, bad, or God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, set up the uh, set up the options here, and then you just pick off the ones that don't work, and then what you're left with, as Sherlock Holmes said, regardless of how impossible it may be, has to be correct. Uh, Dwight's out in Ames, Iowa tonight. Uh, Dwight, uh, appreciate uh, him for his email. He said he may not be able to listen tonight, but he'll have to catch it in the podcast if he doesn't. Uh, he says, uh, so for one to prove Jesus is Lord, one must look into the perfect law of liberty. Only through the word can one see who Jesus truly is. Peter realized who Jesus was in Matthew sixteen sixteen. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In the book of John 20, verse 31, it says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may believe in his name. Some may conclude that Jesus was a lunatic or a liar by claiming he was God in the flesh, but without looking into God's word, they will never know the truth. John eight thirty two shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good, thank you. So, but now, that's what's left for us. But we need to understand that the first century uh, people they didn't have the word to look into. Peter was looking at Jesus. Yeah. Now, we could talk about some of this as we go along, but uh, we can have confidence in Peter's estimation and his conclusions because of some of the characteristics in Peter's life that followed. Uh, but but Peter was going on what he saw. Yeah. You think about it, th- those first century people, and I, I came across a quote today that I thought was pretty good. The generation living when Jesus came to earth 
became humanity's eyes and ears. They judged his words. They they observed his actions. They drew conclusions. And so uh, what they observed in Jesus is the testimony that we base our conclusion upon. Now, there were believers. We're going to talk about this more in a minute. There were people who believed his claims and and reacted accordingly. There were people who did not believe his claims mm-hmm. and reacted accordingly. But but we can look at both both camps serve as witnesses concerning Jesus. So did those who believed in him did did they do they provide a compelling testimony? Did those who denied him is is there any validity to their testimony? We'll look at that in a minute. All right. Kent's down in Calhoun, Georgia, and he responded tonight. Christ was not a lunatic. Such was demonstrated by his use of logic. He recognized the law of rationality, that no conclusion should be drawn without adequate evidence. In Mark chapter 12, verse 10, he, re- he references there. He recognizes the law of identity, that all things that exist have certain properties. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 19. He recognizes the law of non-contradiction, that all concepts cannot have and not have certain properties at the same time. John 8, verse 12. John 8, verse 32. John 8, verses 42 through 47. He recognizes the law of excluded middle this is the either-or principle, that all precisely uh, statements must be made either true or false. They cannot fit into some middle ground. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. Luke chapter 11, verse 23. Lunatics do not think logically. Okay, now stop right there for a minute and get what Kent's saying. And he, he went into good detail there, and it'd be worth it if we had the time to look to the, the various texts that he referenced there. But he summarized it nicely. Jesus, a crazy person, doesn't present logical arguments. That's uh, sort of inherent uh, with being crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I sent you earlier this week, Jacob, I sent you a video clip of a guy who had even who even suggested he'd be willing to be interviewed, but he's making the most crazy, outlandish arguments that don't they're not logical. They don't make sense. So I, I judge that we should not even give him airtime and provide him an audience. He, he he doesn't make sense. He claims to be America's prophet. Yeah, but he's a lunatic, and and because he and you can see that in the fact that he doesn't even his his thought processes don't follow a logical pro- progression. Jesus is dead, and that's what that's what can. So he's not a lunatic. You can judge that just by the way that he presented logical arguments. Okay. Yeah. Good. Thank you, Kent, for laying that out. Yeah. Certainly, we see logic in Jesus's arguments. Number he goes on. Christ was not a liar, John 8, verse 46. Let's look at that one. All right. John 8, verse 46, is, he's claiming here, does, shows that Jesus is not a liar. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? So Jesus was putting it out there for his opponents. He challenged him. If I'm not telling you the truth, tell me so. Show me. Show me. And, he and asked, they didn't. He asked him to bring forth the evidence. And they didn't. So he was he was willing to be examined. He was willing to be uh, to be critically examined, and, and if someone had some evidence to show that he was not telling the truth, he wanted it brought forth. It wasn't. And then he said, Jesus Christ is indeed Lord, John, or Acts 2, 32 through 36. That, that's the conclusion of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, yeah. in which he concluded that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Romans chapter 1, 1 through 4. Proved to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, Romans 1, verse 4 says. So uh, I think Kent is, is right on track there. Not a lunatic, not a liar. Therefore, he is and must be the Lord. All right. Uh, we uh, need to take a break. Uh, when we get back. All right. The, the next question we want to ask is for you to list for us five five claims of Jesus that you think People would consider to be outrageous. All right. What's outrageous? Uh, what are some of the things that Jesus said they're outrageous? Send one of them in the chat room. Maybe, you know, you've no doubt heard people maybe say some things. Say, oh, I don't know about that. That's pretty far out there. What are some of those things that Jesus even said? If that, even if it doesn't represent doubt on your part, right. what have you heard people express doubt about? Yeah. All right. Send it in the chat room during this break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Misconception number 17. 
The folks at the College of Church of Christ believe that water saves. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. We believe the blood of Jesus saves us. Granted, we do believe water baptism is necessary for salvation, and we would like to explain why to you. But without Jesus' blood, no one will be saved. You may have been misled about us. Why not come and learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The greatest danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that our aim is too low and we reach it. The best preparation for tomorrow is to make proper use of today. Man, wish I'd said that. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, Jesus and his claims and do we have any evidence to believe the things that Jesus said? Um, certainly, Kyle, uh, there are lots of claim, or things that Jesus said that uh, people have issue with. Uh, don't have to look very far to find some of those. Well, yeah, I mean, that's. Uh, I think that would be an emotional or a, a personal issue, not necessarily anything crazy that he said. I mean, they were taken aback when he talked about marriage. That was like, whoa, hold on a second. That was like they were... Yeah, that's, that's a logical argument, though. He's, he went to the scriptures. And, and, but they said so, that's a hard saying. It is a hard saying. It's, yeah. uh, that's, they're hard sayings, but they're not, they're not uh, necessarily out there. They're not, they're not there crazy saying. like, oh, that's wow, right. that's pretty far out. No, yeah. it's just hard truths. Hard to accept, yeah. 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 Um, let's read what I've got a long list that I found online. Uh, let's, let's look at the ones our emailers sent in, and then we'll go to this longer list. I think it's pretty all-inclusive. All right, uh, here's Chris from the U.K. He says, as alluded to before, that of being God, and so outrageous was it on hearing it, some of, some wanted to stone him there and then. All right. Yeah, so he claimed he was God. People couldn't take that. People still challenge or sort of chafe uh, when they hear that uh, today. Also in John 7, if you don't believe he is God, you will die in your sins. Uh, one, that people are sinners goes against today's safe space culture. Right. But two, he can judge you for what you do with his claims like God can judge people somehow. All right, so, so he's not only God, but he's going to be a judge. He's going to judge there's going us. to be some consequences. Yeah. Yeah, those are certainly some things that are difficult. Uh, here's one. He says, he and he alone is the way to get to God. John 14, verse 6. Not Muhammad, not Joseph Smith, Buddha, the Dalai Lama, or sacred ordinances by a priest, confession say. So him alone. So, well, I am the way, the truth, a lot, a lot of people don't want to accept that. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Exactly. That's a difficult one for people to accept. Uh, he says, I don't know if you're wanting this one, but for this culture, when answering a question about marriage, he said two things. One, a man and a wife. And two, God created people, male and female, just two types, not hundreds. Both things outrageous for today. Exactly. Probably weren't that outrageous then, but they're outrageous now. Yeah, yeah. People in his day wouldn't have thought probably too outrageous, but certainly a lot of people today. That was before trouble. we got so intelligent yeah. that we can't even figure out yeah. simple things like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, and Dwight says, uh, Jesus raising from the dead, First Corinthians 15, verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. Uh, two, Jesus claiming to be the Savior of the world, First John 4, verses four verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Three, claiming that baptism saves us, 1 Peter 3, verse 21. This is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience for God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And number four, marrying a divorced woman is sin, Matthew 5, 32. But I say to you that whosoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. And five, not able to call another man rabbi or father, Matthew 23, verses 8 and 9. But you do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he is in, who is in heaven. Uh, I so, think all those yeah. are p- people that people didn't like that too well. Most of the things he mentioned there rubbed them wrong. And uh, still do today as well. Yeah. Uh, and then Kent in Georgia says his relationship to humanity, that he was co-creator and benefactor. Number two, his relationship to the Father, that he was the only begotten Son of God. Number three, that he could forgive sin. Number four, that he was the bread of life, John chapter 6. And number five, that he offered the water of life, John four fourteen. 
Okay, good. All right. And then we have one from Brian out in California tonight. Brian's in the chat room. Well, he was in the chat room. Maybe he's lost his connection now. Um, uh, he said, only one way for humanity to approach heaven, one mediator between God and men, First Timothy 2, verse 5. All things in heaven and earth created by him, Colossians 1, verse 16. Yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Jesus cannot rule an earthly kingdom ineligible for the throne of David, Jeremiah 22, verse 30. That's one that causes a lot of people heartburn today. And the old law, the uh, law of Moses, is defunct, nailed to the cross, Colossians 2, verse 14. Again, some things that are difficult uh, for people to accept today. Thank you, Brian. Thank good, you, Brian. good point. Good to hear from you. Let me give you a, here's, here's a longer list that I came across. Uh, the most out, uh, the, this person says, the most audacious claims of Jesus. So here we go. To have preexisted his own birth, John 8, 58. To have known Abraham, John 8, verses 56 through 58. Moses spoke about him in the scripture, John 5, 39, 45 through 42. He claimed to be greater than Jonah and Solomon, Matthew 12, 41 and 42. He claimed to know God personally, Matthew eleven twenty seven. He said God was his father, John five seventeen and eighteen. He said he came from heaven, John eight forty two. He said he is the only access to God, John fourteen six. He is the world's Messiah, John four twenty five and twenty six. He said he is, he is the uh, uh, claimed to be the only way of salvation from sin, John five twenty four, three thirteen through fifteen, and so on. He claimed everyone must bow to him and call him Lord, John 13, 13. He said his blood brings remission, Matthew 26, verse 28. He claimed to be sinless, John 18, verse 23. He claimed to give life to those he chooses to give it to, John 5, 21. He, he said that his followers would eat his flesh and drink his blood, John 6, verse 53. He said believers can pray and receive anything, Matthew 21, verse 22. He said the dead will hear his voice, John 5, 28 and 29. He will judge the world, John 5, verse 22, and that his followers will never perish, John 8, verse 51. Quite a list there. Yep. Uh, and you would think that he could be attacked or and would be attacked on almost any one of those things. And uh, the, the reality is he was. The yeah. people did not, they, they, the doubters did not accept that of him. Oh, this was turning people away when he said these these claims that they just couldn't get their mind wrapped around uh, and uh, claims that they thought, well, that's just crazy or that's that's just blasphemous even. Uh, and and they, they went running. Well, now, how, just real quickly, what kind of reception did those kind of claims get in the first century? Remember what we were saying earlier is that those first century people, they were our eyes and ears. They were the ones who were interacting with him in person, one-on-one. Right. And we got to assume that they had fair reasoning capabilities mm-hmm. I, I think it i think we have become pretty arrogant in our day and time to think that we are so intellectually superior to those who lived before us you know uh that they were they were just uh uneducated buffoons real simpletons uh, people who didn't really have enough good sense to come in out of the rain yeah. so to speak yeah. and, and that's just not true yeah. uh, i mean uh, we obviously know we've developed some technical abilities that they didn't know then, but they they had some pretty incredible abilities to. Well, first of all, they they had just good common sense. They yeah. knew, for instance, a dead man stays dead. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's not. Uh, someone blind from his mother's blind from birth, John nine. Uh, that that doesn't change instantaneously. That was much more common back then as yeah, well. And yeah, so it would have been uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a fact I mean, of life. And so they had they had common sense. They had they had intellectual capability too. I mean, some great thinkers lived in that in those times. So uh, our the estimations of our uh, academic professionals today look back to some some thinkers of that era and think that they were pretty pretty outstanding. Now the evolutionist wants us to believe that well they were they were primitive you know they weren't as developed as us almost like cavemen they who just went out grunted and, a yeah, lot yeah. yeah 
Yeah. And that's just uh, so. So I, I just want to make the point: these people were not just, you know, uh, you know, cavemen who uh, went out and killed a, a, a an animal and drug it home and, ate, and yeah. ate the raw meat. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, now, what does it say? But how did the people receive him? Well, look at Mark chapter twelve, verse thirty-seven. In Mark chapter twelve, verse thirty-seven, it says. Uh, the common people heard him gladly. And so, I mean, there, there was a big faction of people that received his messages, were glad to hear what he said, who believed what he had to say. Now, there, he had his enemies, too, who did not like to hear what he said. Uh, in Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 11, uh, they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. So, he, so there were two camps even then. I mean, there's two camps in the world today concerning accepting or denying the claims of Jesus. But there were what we're saying is there were people who found him to be believable in that time. And there were others who dismissed his claims as blasphemy. You remember when he was on trial before uh, the Jewish council in Matthew chapter 26, um, verse 65, Matthew 26, verse 65. The high priest rent his clothes, saying he has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. And so, I mean. Again, there, there was a negative reaction to him, too. Uh, so concerning the claims of Jesus, there were people who found them to be believable, and there were people who were hostile to his claim. But neither group was just gullibly accepting everything they heard. They were reasonable people who could make determinations about such things using their using their thinking powers. And so... Uh, the, the testimony that's laid out here for us is is the basis uh, is the basis upon which they made a decision and has to serve as the basis upon which we make our decision. What do we what do we do with the claims of Jesus? All right, let's get a break, and then when we get back, we'll look at uh, the reasons why we should believe them. They are on the surface, they are some outrageous claims. Yeah. Should we believe them? And in the bigger picture, then, if if we could believe his claims, then we ought to believe. We have to believe that he is who he said he was. And so we'll look for reasons uh, why we should believe Jesus' claim. And we'd like to hear from you in the chat room. Well, I don't have any trouble believing what they're putting in the chat room tonight because they're quiet. It's quiet, and they're not putting anything in the chat room. The last so. few weeks, we've had lots of comments. Uh, we we actually broke the mold tonight, and we didn't talk about the coronavirus. We thought we'd talk about something different. Uh, so uh, apparently it's a yawner. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a yawner. I think it's really important. Join in with us and give some comments. We're getting this week's bullet point. We're getting your thoughts on now, the other the side. Next, the next question is going to be the really important one. What would you offer as reasons to believe the claims that Jesus made? All right. 877-381-4567. We're back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Glenn with this week's bullet point. In a frequently cited verse, Jesus promises, quote, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Matthew 18, verse 20. Often folks apply this to situations where they join with one another in prayer about a specific problem. The idea is that if they agree together and jointly offer prayers, Jesus is with them in regards to the desired outcome. Even more often, this verse is used concerning worship. The concept is that Jesus approves and is effectively there in any assembly of two or more that have joined in worship. While people have drawn comfort from both of these notions, they sadly represent a rather serious misuse of the text in question. As in all studies, the context of Matthew 18.20 must be considered in order to draw a true conclusion about its meaning. Jesus' specific contextual thoughts begin in verse 15, where he addresses a situation in which a brother has committed a trespass. He instructs us to, quote, go and tell him his fault, unquote. If he, quote, will hear thee, then the next step is to, quote, take with thee two or three witnesses. Finally, in the case of an unrepentant brother, we must, quote, tell it to the church. And if that fails, he is to, quote, to be unto thee as a heathen and a publican. 
Jesus is, of course, describing a very serious and sad consequence. We commonly refer to this as church discipline. In these matters, he gives assurance that, quote, whatsoever ye bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, verse 18. It is in this specific sense that he promises, quote, where two or three are gathered together in my name or by his authority, there am I in the midst of them. So he is with us in the sense of approving our actions. Thus, we see that the frequently quoted phrase really does not have prayer groups or especially worship assemblies in view at all. To use or misuse the passage in this way has led Christians to faulty conclusions like this. Go ahead and skip the regular assembling of the church, have a brief devotional in your hotel room, and then head off to the amusement park for fun and games. Folks who do so should not take any false comfort in the idea that Jesus is with them in such abuses. Matthew 18.20 offers no such justification. As a special note, the misuse of Matthew 18.20 has been very evident in our current coronavirus crisis. Brethren are using this verse to justify the virtual, online, remote, at-home observance of the Lord's Supper. Again, the text in question does not speak to or authorize such. We firmly believe, as many have expressed, that the Lord's Supper is to be done when, quote, the whole church has come together in one place. 1 Corinthians 14, 23, 1 Corinthians 11, 18, 20, and 34, and Acts 20, verse 7. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Kate, and I'm three years old, and this is the Birdsable Bible Study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you've never been there, we've got our archives of coming up on 15 years' worth of programs uh, check it out there if you've got a question about a certain Bible topic. Chances are you might be able to find a, a program around that subject. Check it out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Check out collegeu.com for links to our sermons on YouTube. Kyle, still got those going up there, still working on those playlists, so check them out. Yeah, we're about to uh, think maybe the next couple of weeks, well, next week maybe we can are concluding our uh, Bible authority series. Yeah, yeah so I think we're going to conclude our our uh, series of lessons on Sunday nights uh, about Bible authority. We've had five lessons. We're going to have one more lesson six this Sunday night, Lord willing. Uh, you can you can pick that up when we make it public at around six o'clock on Sunday evening, or you can go in there and they're all in the archives. Uh, and, and so go go to our. College View live stream YouTube channel. That's a separate channel from the Virtual Bible Study. So you get all the Virtual Bible Study archives here on our the Virtual Bible Study YouTube page or channel rather. But then you get these others on our College View live stream channel. So you get we've got a series going on Bible authority, which we think is just absolutely so important. I mean, it cannot be overstated how important. Bible authority is, and, and yet it's so terribly overlooked by people religiously today. So check out those lessons on Bible authority. And then also on that channel, our Wednesday night Bible studies are there in archive. You can you can catch them live Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock Central Time. But the archives are there. We're studying through the book of Acts, and, and uh, I think a, a really important study of the book of Acts, too. So you, as we think about Jesus uh, and his claims, and believe them or not, and this study of Bible authority is so important, and so we encourage our listeners to go out and, and listen to those sermons, about 30, 40 minutes long. Yeah, you, but here's why. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus said, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So if we're going to conclude at the end of this study tonight that Jesus is Lord, that the things that he said are truth, then Jesus says, Why aren't you doing them? You got to be obedient. Well, this idea of Bible authority is how I, how do I determine what Jesus wants me to do? If He's my Lord, I want to do what He said to do. And so you're walking us through the steps of okay, here's how you go to the Bible and determine what Jesus wants you to be doing. So yeah. it all fits together. Exactly right. All right. All right. So what would we offer? And that's our question. What would you offer as reasons to believe the claims that Jesus made? 
let, let me suggest some here, Jacob, and then we'll see what if our emailers uh, or any who care to. We got a chat. Hey, by the way, we got a comment in the chat room. Yeah, here's uh, Eric. Here's what Eric says: reasons to believe. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Acts 4, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So why would you believe? Because he offers what you need. Yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good way to look at it, Eric. I think you're exactly right. Here's what Chris... Oh, you go, go, ahead, go ahead. Let's, do, let's go ahead and get these answers. Here's what Chris said. I like this one. When you, got, when you die and come back, I'll give your words as much weight as his. Also, who are you to talk back to the very one who gives you breath by which you can talk back in the first place? A good point. So, but yeah, he, he says the resurrection. So basically the resurrection. If you, if, uh, uh, if you can prove the resurrection, and it's really a good way to look at it. If you can prove the resurrection, then you don't even have to argue about anything else he said. If the resurrection, if the, if the evidence, if the convincing evidence exists... To prove the resurrection, everything else stands. Yeah. Well, here's what uh, Dwight says, and he makes uh, uh, another couple of arguments here that are very valid. Prophecies that were made of him that were fulfilled. So we can document that these prophecies were made well before Jesus came on the scene. And we can also document that he fulfilled them. Yeah. All right. Uh, The resurrection, he says. And number three, the miracles that he performed. What Dwight is, uh, and I, I think I see that he references Acts three there. Oh, that's right. Yes, Dwight has that. Dwight has been joining with us on Wednesday nights in our Bible study in the Book of Acts, and in Acts chapter two and Acts chapter three, Peter pre- presents two sermons, and those are his principal arguments: mm-hmm. prophecy, resurrection, and miracles. Mm-hmm. All right, and those that are the same that are true for us today. You know. And we don't just have to take the Bible's word on it. You know, that a lot of people say, well, the Bible, that's all fake, too. No, we have historical accounts. And as, as I mentioned, we can, we can date the books of the Old Testament that made the prophecies well before Jesus' birth. And now we can document them, and through history, that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies that were made in books that were documented well prior to his birth. And therefore, we have some we have reason to believe. We also have Jesus's uh, resurrection documented, not just from the scriptures, but historical writers that there was a Jesus that was resurrected. Yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 those those forms of proof are powerful, and they cannot just be dismissed out of hand. Kent says his performance of miracles culminating in his resurrection from the dead. Romans one verses one through four again. Exactly right. Thank you, Kent. All okay. right, you've got some more reasons. Uh, here's, here's the reasons, that, that some other reasons to suggest. First of all, the quality of his life. How do, you, how, how do you judge a person that you meet today? Well, you judge him based upon his words and his actions, right? So what would you judge, how would you judge Jesus based upon his words and his actions? What kind of life did he live? Well, he actually lived a morally perfect life uh there there was uh, his perfect moral living serves as a strong case to say that he 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 was not an ordinary individual he he was he was not lunatic or liar because no one could could ever demonstrate that he had ever done anything wrong uh uh he never had to apologize he never had to confess i'm sorry i made a mistake he he never did any of that his enemies could prove no sin in him i think kent earlier referenced uh, there in john chapter 8 verse 48 let's look at that one more time cuz jesus put it to his enemies to if you know that i've done something wrong tell me uh and and uh John chapter 8, verse 46, Jesus, which of you convinceth me of sin? Uh, and in, in verse 48, the Jews said, say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Well, the, you know, they couldn't, they, they couldn't identify a sin. Uh, verse 52, the Jews said to him, we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets, thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. But notice, they're not saying we caught you in a lie. What they're saying is we we won't accept what you're saying. Uh, we don't accept your claims. But they couldn't. Jesus questioned to them, which of you convicted me of sin? Their comebacks were not, you sinned in this and this. They're saying, 
Yeah. We don't accept what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what they ultimately did, verse 59, they took up stones to cast at him. So uh, you know, even his enemies could not uh, come forward and say, Oh yeah, he's a bad guy. We 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 know we've got we got some people here who are willing to say that they saw him yep. engaged in sinful, immoral, horrible things. There was none of that. Uh, that's pretty incredible because even a good person in, in in our time will have enemies who will try to produce some. And, and the sad fact of the matter, can. any any in in the case of any man, they can. Yep. But not Jesus. Yeah. So his his moral character, the quality of his life, certainly, as was mentioned by our emailers, fulfilled prophecies. I didn't know this, but someone counted that Matthew's gospel account alone has 68 references to Old Testament prophecies fulfilled in the life of Jesus. So just Matthew, Matthew, Matthew dwelt on that. He dealt extensively with prophecies of the Messiah fulfilled in Jesus. We think that there in the Old Testament, uh, the number is just somewhere slightly over 300 prophecies about the coming Messiah, which were all fulfilled by Jesus. Matthew dealt with obviously about what 25% of them were, or thereabouts, um, uh, so the fulfilled prophecies, and they were they were specific. I mean, they were they were unique and amazing. Uh, one of the ones that I think a lot of our listeners would be acquainted with is Isaiah fifty three, talking about the sacrificial death of Jesus, mm-hmm. and you know, just amazing detail. Uh, in fact, the detail is so amazing as it's, as as Isaiah prophesied about the how Jesus would die that critics have been prone to make the argument no one could have written that in advance. It had to have been written by a later author because, you know, that's just too specific and the details are too right. too clear. That's where archaeological discoveries help us. For instance, the well-known archaeological discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, there are a lot of fragments of Old Testament books but the most f- complete one is the book of Isaiah. And, and the book of, and, and that copy found in, uh, of, uh, it's a copy of the book of Isaiah, various fragments of it, but almost a full r- representation of the book of Isaiah predates the life of Jesus. Whoever wrote those copies put them there 100, 150 years before Jesus was even born. Yeah. And so we know that what we're saying is we know we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that Isaiah 53, speaking of the in perfect detail of the sacrificial death of Jesus, that couldn't be. You can't you can't explain that away by saying someone wrote that later. These way, and they weren't ambiguous like the people that are making prophecies today is a you know something that anybody could fulfill. These are very specific. Uh, things that were fulfilled yeah. uh, and proving that this is divine prophecy about this man, Jesus. Therefore, what he said must be true. Exactly right. right. So Phil, his, his sinless lie, uh, the, the detail fulfilled prophecy, his miracles, certainly his miracles uh, have, have got to stand out uh, as uh, um, powerful proof that he was uh, the son of God and that the claims that he made were true. Uh, John said in John 20, verse 31, of course, John was an eyewitness of those miracles. And he said in John 20, at verse 31, verse 30, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the son of God and that believing you may have life through his name. So uh, John says the very reason why the miracles are recorded are so that you can believe. Um, and I was trying to think of uh, even his enemies, even Jesus' enemies could not deny his miracles. Uh, we know that uh, uh, in John 11, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and. Uh, and it says in verse 46, John 11, verse 46, some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. 
Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. So they, the, the Jewish leaders were still trying to stop him, but they couldn't deny his miracles. They were just worried they were losing their power. He, he was going to, they, they were going to lose their position if this business about Jesus was allowed to continue. And so, uh, but they didn't, did you notice they did not deny that he was and working? And they even tried to kill Lazarus. I mean, yeah, because yeah. they couldn't deny it. They couldn't yeah. say Lazarus come clean. No, Lazarus had been raised from the dead, and so they needed to destroy the evidence. Yeah. Uh, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, verse 22, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Yeah. Nobody, nobody could deny the miracles. So the miracles, powerful proof that Jesus, uh, Jesus claims are true. And then, as has been pointed out, the resurrection. Uh, and I think all of our emailers mentioned the, the powerful proof of the resurrection. And I, I know that the, the scripture, Romans chapter one, uh, verse four is, is offered. I think it's a great one. Romans 1 verse 4, he was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Yeah. You pick one, you pick one miracle and you don't even have to talk about the others. There were tons of others, obviously, but you pick one, the resurrection. If it's true, there's nothing else to talk about. And one other thing that we can talk about here is the people who heard his claims firsthand and they were difficult claims, many, many difficult claims to accept. The people who heard them firsthand when they witnessed the resurrection, they had no doubt in their mind that the claims were true and that Jesus was the Christ, the, the Son of God, and they were willing to die for it, die horrendous, torturous deaths. Did they believe after seeing the evidence firsthand? Absolutely. What's interesting is that the apostles, uh, in, in Matthew 26, I think is verse 56, when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, all the disciples forsook him and fled. Those were disciples who had seen these other miracles. They had seen him heal the sick. They had seen him cast out devils. They had seen him restore sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. Uh, yet they still scattered when they came and arrested Jesus. But after the resurrection, you couldn't stop them. Right. No, you, could, you, you could throw them in jail. You could beat them. You, you could threaten them. You could kill them. But they would not stop proclaiming Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And so the resurrection, especially even for those people, the resurrection was the powerful ultimate miracle. And Christianity was established right then and there. It wasn't like somebody came out with, oh, look at this book we found, things that happened 500 years ago. We ought to start believing them. Yeah. Immediately, right then and there, where it happened, they pro- proclaimed the gospel and people began accepting and it. And the claims of the resurrection, the the proclamation of the resurrection happened right there in Jerusalem within days of it happening. Yes. So if it hadn't happened, they would say, oh, here's the body, you lying dogs. It it didn't happen. No, it it did. And so we have all kinds of reasons to accept Jesus' claims. Need to get a quick break when we get back. Okay, when we get back, how is Jesus different than others throughout history who've made claims to be the Messiah? Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, if these claims are true, what's the appropriate even reasonable response to them. We're going fast on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we'll do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 
Police in Greenville, Mississippi, issued $500 tickets to people who gathered in a church parking lot to worship together in the safety of their cars. The members of the Temple Baptist Church intended to honor coronavirus social distancing restrictions while gathering to worship, but police cracked down regardless. Governor Tate Reeves of Mississippi issued a stay-at-home order on April 1. However, Reeves said he does not believe the government has the power to shut down churches. Yet Greenville Mayor Eric Simmons and the city council banned churches from hosting drive-in services. As a result, the religious freedom law firm First Liberty sent Mayor Simmons a demand letter urging the mayor to retract the order, claiming that Simmons' order violates the First Amendment right to free exercise of religion by singling out churches for unusual restrictions. That information is via pjmedia.com. The Word of God says in Matthew 25, beginning verse 10, Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. If I be a offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, talking about Jesus' claims and can we believe them? We certainly believe that we can. And uh, we're comparing now his claims uh, with those of others who claim to be the Messiah. Yeah, yeah. As we said earlier, he's not the only person who made sort of audacious, outrageous claims about himself. We acknowledge that Jesus did make amazing claims, uh, but the proof exists. All that we just listed the powerful proofs by way of his perfect moral life, his uh, fulfilling of prophecies, the miracles he performed, and his resurrection. I mean that's that's compelling evidence, and so someone said, "I don't know about this Jesus, man. What 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 outrageous claims he made? Yeah, but but they backed up. The claims are backed up. You can claim anything, you know. I've I've jokingly made the made the the, the argument. You know, I played some basketball in my younger days, and in my prime, I I could have taken on Michael Jordan easily. He wouldn't have had a chance against me. Well, that's a claim, right? It's not a valid claim. Right? There's no proof of it. But you, you can, what we're saying is you can make any claim you want. Yep. It's a whole other thing to be able to back the claims up. Yep. Jesus did. Yep. Jesus did. These others, uh, uh, for, for instance, you remember that episode? It's been, boy, time flies, but it's been, it's been a number of years ago, maybe, maybe it was in the 80s. I can't remember. Remember the, the David Koresh? Uh, business yep. down in Waco, Texas. Yep. Uh, I mean, he was claiming to be the Messiah, and but there have been hundreds of such people. Through. But in, in the case, in his case, there was all kind of evidence of bad stuff going on yep. in that cult that he was leading. Yep. You know, he, he could make the claim, but he couldn't back up the claim. Yep. He died. I mean, uh, I think the ATF people from our government killed him and his followers. I think he's still dead. I haven't heard any evidence of a resurrection. So, you know, all who made such claims, their claims can be dismissed pretty easily, quickly. Jesus could not, they could not even be dismissed by his own opponents who, who he confronted. Look at this episode in, in Matthew chapter 22, beginning verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? No man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forward uh, ask him any more questions. And so... Even his enemies could not could not debate him one on one. They couldn't answer his arguments. They couldn't present evidence to contradict his claims. And that's just one example. He, he often interacted with his enemies, and they never could deny uh, the claims he was making. I like uh, what Chris said in the UK. He has two arguments he would make here. How they're different. Number one, you can go to their graves. You can go to these people's graves who claim to be the Messiah. Exactly, Chris. Exactly right. And then number two, and this goes along sort of with what you mentioned, David Koresh and others, uh, the Gamaliel argument of Acts, he's referencing Acts chapter 5, where wise Gamaliel said, hey, 
listen, this has happened before. People tried to get people to follow them, and after they were gone, it just sort of fizzled out. Yeah, it came so don't to do nothing. Anything, don't do, do anything rash here. Let's yeah. just wait and see what happens. Yeah. Well, it didn't fizzle out. Exactly right. Good. Really good, Chris. Really good. Yep. All right. Dwight says, some claim to be healers. Jesus proved it so with actual miracles. Some today claim to be able to save us from sin by telling us all we need to do is pray Jesus into our lives. Jesus died for us, and he was the perfect sacrifice. And only through getting in touch with his blood do we have forgiveness and hope of salvation. Okay, good. And then Kit says, our Lord is far different from others claiming to be Messiah in that he was able to prove his case while the others were not. Exactly. It's the proof. It's, it is about the proof. Yeah. And that's how Jesus is contrasted with the others. They made claims, no proof to back him up. Jesus made claims, backed it up with powerful proof. All right. And then the final question we ask, okay, so I think all of our listeners would have imagined that we're going to come to this conclusion. If Jesus' claims are true, and they are, then what would be the appropriate response to them? Uh, you know, you think about, you, you think about logic and reasoning, you know, uh, if, if you knew something was true, logic, for instance, if the fire alarms started going off here in the building, we would, we would, we wouldn't just sit here and ignore it. We, we would react to it. We, 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 we would check it out. We it, would check it out. Oh, it's a false alarm. But we wouldn't just ignore it. No. We, we would check it out and say, is it been a malfunction of the equipment, yeah. or is there a fire? If there's a real fire, then we're going to do something. Yeah, so we, we check it out to see if it's true, and if it is true, then we get out of here and call the fire department. Yeah. So uh, that's, just, that's, just, that's just logic. That's just reason, yeah. using the reasonability that, that's in our minds. What about Jesus? If the claims are true and the evidence is there to say yeah. they're true, then so you check it out. You yep. conclude it's true, then you got to do something with it. Yep. Here's what Chris said in the UK. If Jesus' claims are true, surrender to him as your God and let his standards be yours. You owe him your life, for he gave his for you. Don't be ashamed of him when it comes uh, for him to judge you. Very good, Thank Chris. You, Chris. Really good. Good answer to tonight, tonight, Chris. Chris. Yeah, great Thanks answer, Chris. Him. Dwight says in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 22, uh, in 28 through 32, just by looking at nature itself, uh, should tell us there is a God, and we need to be obedient to the one, that one God. If we continue down to verses 28 through 32, people can read for themselves the outcome of their unbelief. So and, if sir, you don't obey, you're going to be punished. Exactly right. Dwight. All right. And then Hebrews chapter 8 verses, or uh, Kent references Hebrews chapter 5 verses 8 and 9. Though he were son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered and became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 8 and 9. So, um, he is the, the, yeah. Though he were son, yet learned he the obedience by the things which he suffered and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them who obey him. So he's he's the author of your salvation if you obey him. Obedience to him is the is the reasonable response. Absolutely. And that there's folks today who are saying, yeah, you just believe him. Don't you don't have to obey him? That, that obedience stuff is overrated. Yeah. Uh, is it really? If he if he claimed to be what he is and his claims are true, then obedience is the only response, Kyle. Absolutely, but it's, if absolutely if, if his claims are correct, if he is the Christ, if he is the Son of God, and we are supposed to obey him, then you know no man coming to the Father but by him. So I mean, he we have to obey Jesus. So yep. Yeah. All right. Well, a good discussion, and it's certainly a very important discussion. We need to have faith in Christ and the claims that he made. Exactly so right. vitally important. And we have, it's not blind faith. It's not like, eh, well, I just believe it. I don't know why I believe uh, it. And, I and that's, it. that's really a, sort of an insulting accusation made against believers. You just take a blind leap yeah. of faith. No, we're considering the evidence, yeah. and, and the evidence is compelling. We, we react to it. It's not a blind leap of faith. Right. Kyle, thanks for helping us get it out tonight on the boards there. Yeah, it was good to be here. Glad yeah. that you're here. Dad, thanks for a good discussion. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for joining us. Hope you benefit from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And between now and then, Sunday morning, 1030. Sunday morning, 1030. We're going to have another one of our parking lot drive-in services. If yeah. you're in Middle Tennessee and need a place to worship, we're having some really good turnouts lots uh, lots of visitors good crowds very encouraging 
Parking lot service Sunday at 1030. Our, our online sermon about Bible authority Sunday night at 6. These are obviously central times. And Wednesday night we continue our study in the book of Acts at 7. All right. All right, look forward to that. And we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.